Welcome to the Lessons from the Tank podcast. This week, I had a chance to talk with Beth Finbo from Busy Baby. And I have to tell you, first off, if you have a small child in your life, you need to get her product. It is life changing. But she has amazing things to say about pivoting and sticking to your guns and how the military has trained her to adapt and overcome any obstacle in her life. You are going to love this and get so much value from it. Enjoy. Beth, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I'm so excited to be here. It's so fun to talk to other Shark Tank entrepreneurs. So I'm it, excited to be here. It is. Some of the best conversations that I've had. I, I love my team and the people that I you know go you know do life with as far as our journey here at FlexScreen are great. But talking to somebody who um, I described it as we spilled blood in the same arena. <laughs> um, there's just <laughs> something, there's something there. Like we're, we're there's a, a camaraderie there that is, is fantastic. So I love yep, these yep. conversations. Yep. Same, same, same. So, um, so you were on episode 12 or season 12, episode 16, yes. busy baby. One of the, in my opinion, one of the coolest products I, I have, I have four kids of my own. They're all grown now, and I have five grandkids. It's genius. Like what you what you brought in front of them was genius. I can't imagine. Uh, I won't give it too much away, but I can imagine like the sharks not jumping over themselves trying to to partner with you. But uh, tell us a little bit about Busy Baby. I I love the product. So. Yeah, so the product is pretty simple. It's a placemat that suctions to a surface and it has a tether system that allows you to attach baby's favorite toys so they're not constantly dropping and throwing them on the floor. That's that's the concept. Um, I came up with the idea after I had my first kid, uh, went out to a restaurant with some girlfriends, they brought their babies, they were a huge distraction the whole time. Um, one of the moms was a germaphobe, so every single thing had to get wiped down. We couldn't even finish a conversation. So I immediately went on Amazon and looked for something I could buy so my kid wouldn't be that distraction. And I couldn't find anything that would do what the Busy Baby Matt does. So I had an idea, and I was stubborn enough to take it to the market, and here we are. So some of the things I really liked about it, first of all, the sharks even kind of highlighted, like when you stuck it down, it's stuck. I mean, I've seen some of the other mats that are out there. You know, you might as well put a napkin down. Like they, they slide around and stuff like yeah. that. Like it's, um, so that's really cool. But the, the, the video for the, the listeners who um, might not have seen this episode, you need to go on the episode because the video of you and your, your, your I assume your baby at the time, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, in a restaurant and tossing it down and then picking it up and you kind of had fast forward. It was like such a, it was such a visual representative representation of what every single parent goes through. Um, I thought it was kind of genius. Like that part of your pitch. You know, what was great is that we got that video in one take. It was so good. <laughs> like working with babies is so hard. You try to like shoot video with babies. They don't take commands. They don't listen. Um, but my, my kid did what all kids do and just immediately threw his toys on the ground. So um, yeah, I think when people see that video, they feel they feel the pain. Even if their kids are 20 years old, they're like, oh, I remember that. Yeah, I, I do. Like I said, my, my youngest is 17, and I'm like, well, that still strikes a chord with me. <laughs> like that, yeah. you know. And I think that's a really important thing about business and marketing your business is first, I, like getting people to relate to your problem. 
Like, yep. what problem are you solving? Like, put the problem in front of them, get them to relate to it first, and then they're then they're more interested in, in what your product is that's kind of solving that problem. By the way, I know that the sharks are really smart people, but one of the comments that they made about the size of the opportunity, I thought they were so far off. I thought so that was most off. most one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard on Shark Tank, where they said that the market is small. I'm like, no, it's not. Like, no. kids and pets. They like those are huge markets. Um, and to your point, I thought you handled it so well. Like millions of kids get born every day. Like it's the, every year. The, yeah. Every year. Four every million year. just in the US every year. Like it just keeps regenerating itself. Yeah. Every year. And and typically things like that aren't handed down. Like you know, it's it's you know, mm -hmm. it, it's not like, oh, here's our, you know, here's my great grandmother's mat that had right. like no, it's <laughs> it's you know, you buy a new one, you get a new kid and you you, you get a new one or, or it gets destroyed or it gets left behind or whatever the case may be. I yeah. just think that the market is enormous for what you're doing. I, I was honestly shocked too because it was Robert who made one of the comments about the market not yep. being very big and he at the time his twins had just turned two so he had really just gone through this phase of the dropping and throwing and I was like you you you're currently buying so much stuff for your babies like you have to be how do you not realize that this baby market is just incredible. But. I know. I, I was um, I was kind of like I said, I was kind of blown away with that that comment. Um, but but then again, they're the sharks. Like, like they might have people who, you know, just follow them around and pick their kids toys. I have no idea. I'm, I'm teasing. But Manny's the one that deals with it. Yeah. Robert has no idea. Yeah, he's like, whatever. Um, so uh, let's just talk about your episode real quick. Um, so, you, you know, you kind of got into it. Um, you know, you had some pushback from from some of them on the size of the market. They were really impressed that you had two patents on it, which I was too, because again, I looked at it and you know we have a bunch of patents on our product. I'm like, man, there has to be something out there that the patent office. But good for you, like you you yeah, you got we're patents up to on seven it. now. Wow, seven patents now, yeah. That's awesome. It's, and it's 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 really for me one of those like neener 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 because there were so many people in the beginning that told me like it's not a patentable product just be first to market put your money towards the you know getting it to market and being the first and and something kept tugging at me that i need to do my due diligence and i need to at least get myself some kind of coverage like sure. i at least need to try and then when they told me you know it's not patentable they didn't think it would be getting a patent i was like ah well i got two and now i have seven so it's patentable. <laughs> so uh, when you, um, I, I know you're kind of, uh, again, we'll kind of get into this a little bit later in the in the episode here, but um, you're you're you certainly seem like you're a do-it-yourself type of person. You were making the proto prototypes yourself. It's not like you spent a hundred thousand dollars on a company to go out and make your prototypes. Like you did a lot of this stuff yourself. Did you do the patent research, at least the initial patent research and stuff like that yourself? I did, and I actually filed my first provisional patent myself, and I would never recommend anybody do that. That's <laughs> just like when it comes to certain things in a business, and IP is one of those things, pay the professional to do it. That's yeah. my two cents there. I uh, I had a conversation with Tiffany um, um, Crummins, you know, from um, uh, Ava Elephant, Elephant. Yeah. and she, we were talking about patents, and, and she was talking about ways to – uh, negate some of the upfront costs, you know, some, you know, doing some of the, the, at least some of the research and stuff like that and, and doing a provisional first versus a full mm -hmm. utility patent application or something, stuff like that. Um, is that, uh, is that why you did your first provisional? I mean, is that um, just to try to get something in writing? 
Yeah, I did. And and it was um I was new and mm-hmm. I was broke. I didn't have a budget. Um and so I just did what I thought I could do with what I had. Um and now I look at it in a little different view because you can do you can go to Google Patents and you can do searches. And you could file provisional. It's not going to stand up to anything, but at least you get a date, you know, right. and you get your 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 idea out there. Um, but what I use those things for now is to see, you know, we're, we're creating new products and we do this search to see, is it worth paying a professional? Like yep. when you pay a team that does patent search for trade, like that's their job, they have, they're much more efficient and will find a lot more things than I would going to Google patents and typing in what I think are the words that I need to be looking for. You know, they have a, a lot more experience and can find a lot more. And it was, it was doing my own search first that gave me the confidence of i don't think there's anything out there let me pay someone else to take it to the next level and then the paid search which runs between like six and eight hundred dollars actually gave us all the ammunition we needed to build a great patent because when a patent examiner looks at your patent they're gonna try and refute it they're gonna say nope this isn't patentable because there's this prior art out there but when you find all the prior art and then you build that into your patent application you, they don't have anything to say. They're like, oh, yep, you already identified the prior art and why your your application is different enough to be patentable. And our first patent went through with no office actions. No kidding. No office actions because we had already done the the digging that the examiner's going to do. Um, and so that's why I think we've gotten so many patents in such a short period of time is that's kind of our strategy is to do that. But we do pay to have experts at patent searching doing the patent searches and, and we use that information to write the patents yeah and and um there's definitely a point in every business especially if ip is important to you that you do need to get professionals you, you just do mm-hmm. i mean they're going to do a better job um they're going to know how to get around some objections that the that the office might yep. might kick back um so yeah. i i was blown away by once we really started getting serious with our ip um how how expensive it can become oh my gosh it's horrible it's horrible but for us it's been worth it we've had um we've taken down well over a hundred knockoffs on amazon wow uh they the first round of knockoffs were exact duplicates someone must have ordered one and reverse engineered it and made an exact duplicate of ours so that was easy to take down because we had our patent and then the next round of knockoffs were trying to design around our patent um, but there's a lot of work in patent strategy you can do, and which we had done that we found we had another patent get approved that was a different angle that allowed us to take down these these new, you know, knockoffs that try to design around our original patent. Yeah, it's an ongoing thing too. It's not like you just get a patent and you're done. If you have a good patent attorney, there will be an ongoing strategy where you have continuations and ways that you have something open. So when a a knockoff comes out, you have this ability to to add in things to get the knockoff, you know, yeah. out of there. It, and, it, and it is important. I mean, especially for a, a simple product, because you, you have a, a simple product. I have a simple product. You know, I, I yeah. sell window screens, you know. So um, it's not like uh, people need a, uh, you know, $10 million factory to, to make your product. So IP becomes really, really important because mm-hmm. the barriers to entry are so low. Very low, right. Yep. So, um, so good for you. Seven patents. That's, that's, that's awesome. So, um, all right. So surprise, you have patents. They're like, oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then, um, so the, the, uh, the offers start coming 
and um, one oh, thing, the one offer, the one, one offer, well, the, one, the one offer, the one offer comes in, and Lori, who I, I kind of have had a feeling that that Lori would jump in on this. Like, I, I, um, you know, she's one of our equity partners, and um, I kind of thought that this would be, in, you know, something easy to sell on QVC. You know, it's easy to put on shelves, that kind of thing. Um, but her offer was not acceptable to you. No. And you did one of the things that not a lot of people do, which is, you know, you had a number in mind and you refused to go go above that as far as the equity that you were giving up. Tell us how that felt, because I, I have to I have to know like what you were thinking. Like you're like, oh, my goodness, like somebody made an offer. I can be a partner of Lori Grenier's. But so but. like what's going through your mind there? Yeah, there was two different things going on in my mind. And as you know, I'm sure everybody on the show has talked about you don't get to see everything. America doesn't get to see everything. And so a big part of the conversation we had had is that I had my second product in development, almost ready to launch. And I was looking to expand my product line, I was looking to get into retail stores, um, maybe do some licensing, probably go international. And I was looking for a shark to help me do those things. Yep. That's what I wanted to do. Um, Lori only wanted to license my hero product to Munchkin. And since she had just done that with another Shark Tank product, the, um, the baby spoon thing, she already had the contacts. It was going to be a really easy, easy deal for her to do. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not, wasn't my vision for the company. And I definitely wasn't going to give more than 15% away to somebody who was literally just going to set up a couple meetings. Like there wasn't a lot of work she needed to do. Um, and I really wanted to grow the business. Um, so for me, it was an easy decision as I was making it. I was like, oh shoot, like, is this the right thing? Um, but I felt pretty confident walking out of there that it was, and I'm looking back hindsight, 2020, I'm really glad I made the decision I made. So not only again, uh, to, to your point there, you were probably in the tank for maybe an hour or something yeah. like that, you know? Um, yeah, about an hour. And, and so, you know, it breaks it down. They edit it down to 12 minutes, whatever your, your episode mm -hmm. was. Um, so there's a lot of discussions that we don't get to see. And, yeah. and so, um, again, if I'm understanding what you're saying, not only was there this, this um, disagreement on how much equity Lori was worth, quote unquote worth, yeah. but, but also a direction of the company that mm -hmm. would probably be difficult to, to, to overcome. You know, she yeah. wanted to do the one, you know, one and done, sit back and, and maybe collect yeah. a couple thousand dollars a month in royalties. You're yeah. like, no, I have something here that could be enormous. Um, yeah. Is that what I'm kind of reading into Exactly, to this? exactly, yes. So, um, wow, there's a lesson there. I mean, if you're, if you're not aligned with your partners, um, uh, you know, I have a couple equity partners and, you know, we're very aligned. Um, on what the the what we want to accomplish with our company, and um, I can't imagine having one that that had a difference of opinion and especially owned a, a substantial chunk like Lori would have yeah. owned. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. No, I don't think any amount of money is worth having a bad marriage, because mm, when you good. have partners in business, it is a marriage, and you know it's. I I feel like there's no amount of money that I could sit back and let those checks roll in and feel good about it. Yeah, and in a lot of ways, and I know that this sounds so crazy, as your company grows, sometimes it's easier to get out of a bad marriage than it is to get out of a bad partnership. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've heard 
that. I've heard right? that. Uh, you know, like as a bad marriage, you're like, okay, well, hey, look, yeah, there's going to be some emotion involved and stuff, but trying to unravel a bad partnership in a company, I mean, yeah. it could kill your company. Um, yeah, and especially when I worked, so, I mean, so hard for three years to, to take this idea. You know, I had I was in the military. I had no experience doing any of the things that I'm doing in this business. So I'm learning and learning and learning and working so hard. And then to have to give up all control, basically, because someone's got more money than me. And, you know, I just, it felt icky. Yeah. And I just didn't, couldn't do it. Yeah, I do want to have a disclaimer. Lori, I know you're listening. I love you as a partner. <laughs> I think that you are a great partner. But so this is more about direction rather than personality. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure, just teasing. Sure. But but no, I mean, it, it is. It, it, it's, you know, having the vision and having a, a direction for your company is really, really, really important. Um, and having that unified, not just with your partners, but through the rest of the, the organization yeah. as well. Yeah, and I, I mean, we, and we've done exactly what I wanted to do. I think maybe if I hadn't been able to accomplish the things I wanted, I'd be sitting here telling a different story. Mm -hmm. But we have expanded our product line. We've expanded, like, sales have grown like crazy. We're, we're having a lot of fun and actually brought my brother in. So I, I was nice. at a point when I was filming, I needed help mm -hmm. badly because it was just me, and I was still working my full-time job. And I convinced my brother to quit his job and join me in the business. And so it's just been kind of a dream that, we're working together in our own business now and, and expanding the product line the way we wanted to. And now we're making products for toddlers. So it's just been really fun to grow this way. So let me ask you a personal question, if you don't mind. So bringing your brother in, convincing him to quit his job. Um, I now, now my son works for me. Um, so his full-time job is working for me. My best friend works for me. His brother-in-law works for me. His wife works for me. Um, that is really nerve-wracking in a lot of ways. Like mm -hmm. asking somebody to make that commitment to your company and your vision. Um, did you have like, I had some sleepless nights over all that. Like, like was that a, a concern of yours? Like, man, I hope, I hope I'm doing yeah. the right thing here. Yeah, I mean, my brother is my only sibling. He has four children and he is the sole income earner. And so he had a very stable, secure job with a good salary and benefits at that time. Mm -hmm. And he was leaving all of that stability that keeps a roof over my nieces and nephew's head and keeps their bellies full and keeps them healthy and growing. Um, and he was going to give all that up to come to the unstable world of entrepreneurship. And <laughs> to that point, you know, I had at the time still have my full-time job. I have a backup plan upon backup plan. If I fail my business, I'm still okay because I have my backup plans. Right. But when my brother joined, if I fail this business, I'm now taking my brother and his family down with me. And so that was so hard, mm -hmm. so hard. And at the time that he joined me, we didn't know if our episode was going to air. Like it was, he joined me after I filmed and you know, there's no guarantee you're going to make it on air. I had ordered, I think half a million dollars in product just in case I did air. Oh, wow. So when he joined the company, we had a lot of debt and a lot hanging on this Shark Tank thing, and hopefully it airs, because if it doesn't, like, my product's not gonna go bad. It'll right. eventually sell, it's just silicone. It's it's okay to have a lot. Um, but, but cash flow, having having negative yeah. cash flow for that, like that for very long and is it, painful. Yeah, because now I had a salary to pay. I wasn't paying myself a salary, so now I had to pay a salary. Um, so it was very stressful, and I think when I got the email saying your episode's going to air, 
like I broke down. He has a video <laughs> of me just like I lost it. Like the sense of relief to know like, okay, it's going to be okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, um, it's fine now. We feel really good about where we're at and we feel good about our business. It took a lot of time to learn how to work together. <laughs> um, we thought that would be easier than it ended up being, but you know, we're a year in now and we've, found our grooves and, and it's, it's just awesome. So you, you stuck to your guns in the tank, um, and your opinion, uh, you know, hindsight, all that stuff, you're yeah. better for it. Um, yeah. uh, again, there's a lesson there. I mean, there's, there's a time, you know, every entrepreneur is going to have to make that big decision. I mean, there's yeah. <clears throat> every one of us has had that, you know, it's, it's a, either a big risk or a big hire or, uh, wh whatever the case may be. And, and, um, and sometimes you just have to, you know, do all of your research, do as much as you can, and then go with your gut. I mean, hundred percent, go with your gut, and that's what I did. You know, I think you can't make decisions out of desperation. You can't do something because that's what everybody else thinks you should do. I mean, so many people think that I was just the dumbest entrepreneur ever for not taking a deal with Lori Grenier because she's the queen of QVC and she's the, you know, gonna make me a millionaire within, you know, a year. Um, but my gut wanted to do this path that we're on now. And, and I'm glad I didn't make a decision out of desperation at that moment. And it is so easy. Like you're in the tank. What people don't understand oh, is the, the amount of pressure. Energy. Yeah. Like everything in you wants to make the deal. Yes. Like, yeah. so, you know, you fighting it. I mean, I'm so impressed. I am. I am so impressed. I am not sure. And again, I don't, I'm not privy to the, no. the conversations you guys had and stuff like that, but I'm really impressed that you were able to to do that. So good. I think had she wanted to go the direction I wanted to go, it would have been a much difficult, much more difficult decision. Mm -hmm. um, but because she she didn't want to go the direction I wanted to go, it was pretty easy for me at that point to just say, no, I'm not going past my number. All right. So in the episode, I want to talk about I want to talk about pivoting because yeah. I I one of the things I picked up and and I think in the times that we are in. Every mm -hmm. single business has done some sort of pivot, but you made a big pivot, right? I mean, you, mm -hmm. you had, um, according to the episode, you, you had a plan. You were going to go out to all these expos and start getting some exposure, um, with you know, different retail retailers and, and all that yep. stuff. And because COVID hit, all that came to a screeching halt. Like you, yeah. and you had no way of getting your message out there. You had two patents, a great product, but yeah. But I mean, you, and at the time I was marketing the product for restaurants because that's why I invented it was mm -hmm. for the restaurants. So all of my marketing was about using it in restaurants. And now all the restaurants closed. I was just ready to start getting into retail stores. All the retail stores closed. So I was like, now what? Now what? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, um, I had been contacted by a Facebook ads manager uh, a few months earlier who said, I really think I can help you by doing Facebook ads. And when the pandemic happened, a lot of my customers started commenting about how useful this thing is at home. Like it kept their baby busy for 30 minutes while they had to do a Zoom meeting because hmm. now everybody's stuck in the house or it keeps my baby busy while I'm trying to homeschool my my big kid. Um, so I was like, wow, this really does have like a ton of uses at home. And I was actually using it at home every day with my baby um, just because it made dinner time so much easier to keep him busy while the rest of us ate. Uh, so I just pivoted the marketing for all the uses at home. I hired Sergio, my Facebook guy, and we had 800% growth in, wow. in a year of the pandemic. That is so fantastic. And I do want to say one thing, you know, if you're, this is not, you know, 
you're suggesting you went to digital marketing, which is which is yeah. great for, for for products and stuff like that. Um, and if you're listening and, and that you think that that's a direction you should go, absolutely. Digital marketing is so powerful. Be very careful though. There's a lot of fly by night. Yes. Um, you know, they promise the world. They'll they'll mm-hmm. make numbers look the way that they are. Do your do your homework on yeah. any digital marketing yeah. agency that you're you're going to work with. Um, so, but but you were lucky. You you got the right one. You had huge growth. Um, but uh, how how did that decision like making process go in your head? Like was it like, well, we have nothing to lose, or was it like, wow, this is a well thought out strategy that I think we're going to go with? Like what how, for you personally? What did that look yeah. like? Um, a lot of I've realized now over the course of the last few years, a lot of my decision making all comes from stuff I learned in the army um, mm. and my time in the military. Like in the military, you train, you train, you train, and then you get deployed. When you get deployed, if you if if something doesn't work as planned or how you trained it to go, then you don't just be like, shoot, that didn't work. Hmm. Like you have to figure out another way. You're you're deployed. Like you can't just right. You know, start over. Or, sleep on it or like you got to figure it out that's just the mentality you always have to figure it out and that's what i do in the business so okay obviously marketing something for restaurants and trying to get retail stores that's not going to work what else is going to work like what's my way around this wall that just came down in front of me how do we get around the wall um and i think that if you just do that with everything you encounter you know when i hit a, a tough spot in the business now the wall comes down i don't get frustrated with the wall I just find the path around the wall. Um, and I think that's what pivoting is. It, yeah, that's a great analogy. I, I've heard, you know, you either go over it, around it, or through it. Like, you know, yeah. um, because if if turning around and going back is an option for you, you're probably not meant to be an entrepreneur. Um, right. I, I hate to say it like that, but that is that is the case. I mean, a lot of people that um, I've talked to, and, and again, if, you, if you're listening, um, you know, when you go on Shark Tank, you get approached by a lot of people <laughs> afterwards. You know, hey, can you give me some advice? Or hey, what about yeah. this? And and the people that I've talked to, um, probably fifty percent of them have hit what I would consider like a speed bump, and they're like ready to give up. Like it's certainly not a wall. You know what I mean? It's, it's like a speed bump. And we're like, look, if that is the thing that is that is causing you anxiety and causing you stress with you know this thing that you want to do like you should probably just go find a job and, and that's not a negative. Like, you no, know, finding no. a, a job is, is a it's great not, thing. This is not something that is a good fit for everyone. It, and it I also isn't. see entrepreneurs that push through the wall when they probably shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a tough one too. But yeah, this is definitely not a, a job every person can do. It, it, it isn't. Um, but I think that that tenacity to find that way around to, again, whether it's, over, around, under, through, you know, um, yeah. is is the mark of successful entrepreneurs. I mean, it's it's uh, um, again, there are the cases where you know, hey, look, there's there's a wall there for a purpose, like because yeah. y- what you're trying to accomplish is just never going to happen. I I had somebody reach out to me with an, with an invention, and I'm like. I did a quick search on Amazon and there's like six versions of that already. Like, like I, you know, did you do your research? You know, like you're probably not going to do, be very successful because there's so many, you know, what, what you've invented, what you've come up with is, is already out there. Um, and that's just one example, but, um, so, so the army, the army taught you to, you know, get around there. Um, It's, uh, the term is adapt and overcome. Wow. That I kind of live by and that we learn in the military. So, yep, I, it's, I think that's my my number one qu- 
quality, I think, that gets me through all these days. Adapt and overcome. I love it. That uh, that should be that should be on everybody's wall. If you want to be an entrepreneur, that that is adapt and overcome. That should be your your daily mantra. Right. <laughs> so, so what's new for um, what's new for Busy Baby? Like, so you said you have some new new products. Um, like, what's what's coming down the pipe pipeline? Uh, we're so I, I solve problems based on my own life with my own kids, and so my kids are toddlers now. My son is in preschool learning how to write, and so I found ways to help him do that. And so we're coming out with a toddler size mat that and an app that's going to help littles learn how to. To write letters and numbers and shapes. Um, and then it's going to be great for arts and crafts projects and other sensory things and some physical um, and occupational therapy. So we definitely have a fun line of toddler products coming. We're going to expand kind of what we're selling on the website for baby, adding more accessories. Um, and then we're going to start heading into the big retail expos. Now the expos are starting to come back. We didn't get to hit the retailers in 2020. So 2022, we're going to try again. I, I have a feeling you're going to get picked up at a lot of stores. I just, I see it. Like it's, I can, I can see the packaging, like sitting at, at some of the, uh, especially the baby type of retailers, but also the, the big boxes, the, the Walmarts yeah. and, and stuff like that. It, it just seems like it would fit right in. It's the plan. That's so, the plan. We'll see how it plays out. Well, that's awesome. So tell us how we can buy some of your awesome products. Um, give them as gifts, whatever the case may be. Yeah. What's, what's the best way? And you hit the nail on the, on the head right there. Gifts most of our customers are actually people buying baby shower gifts. So we sell our mats on our website, busybabymat.com. You can get your mat, you can get the accessories, you can get a whole baby gift package right there. And it's a, it's a huge hit because nobody's heard of it. And this is like, we don't need to go into this, but I've been on national TV. Still, <laughs> nobody knows what the busy baby mat is. Nobody's heard of busy baby. So it's been a huge hit. I get emails every week of, I was the hit of the baby shower because I had this cool product that everybody could relate to, but no one had heard of. Uh, so... That's that's the deal. Busybabymat.com. Yeah, and if you happen to have like that family that you go out to dinner with and their kids are just freaking annoying, this is a really this is a really easy way of, you know, just, you know, hey, look, um, look what I got for little junior. Fun thing that your baby can play with. Yeah. You can just like next time you go out to dinner, you can just whip it out like, oh, I forgot, I got this for you guys, and then, you know. Yeah, and the easiest thing to do is not even with the baby being annoying, it keeps your baby safer from germs because you don't know what's on this table that they wipe down with toxic chemicals to try and kill COVID. That's like a safe place for your baby's food, and it's, they're not going to throw it on the floor. By the way, I, I again, I'm such a big fan of your product. The the you wrapping it around the um, the handle of the shopping mm -hmm. cart was yeah. is also brilliant. I just thought that's that one was of our so patents. We got a utility patent on that usage. No kidding. Yeah, that is so awesome. Because again, it's just one of those things like every mom, every dad knows you got to take your kids shopping at some point, mm -hmm. you know, yep. and they're just going to be annoyed because and you're going to be annoyed because they keep throwing their crap on the ground. Yeah. And and so this is just I just thought it was and it protects them from all the germs. I yeah. just thought it was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Because when baby starts teething, their mouth just goes straight for that handle. Yep. So, well, I have to tell you, I am certainly getting some of these for some of the um, babies in my life. <laughs> so awesome. Awesome. I, I will, I'll, I will be handing them out. Like I said, I have a couple grandkids and this is going to be one of those things that we're, um, 
you know, we will be a busy baby family for sure. I love it. So I love it. That's but thank, cool thank yeah, you. thank you so much for being on the podcast. I had so much fun talking to you, and and I uh, I wish you the best. I'm I can't wait to see you um, next time I walk through some of the big retailers. I hope it happens. I think it will. I do too. So good luck <laughs> with everything. So much, folks. Good talk to you too. Good talk to you. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Lessons from the Tank. If you got value from today's podcast, we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast so you're notified when a new episode is posted. If you'd like to support our podcast, we encourage you to review it and share it with a friend. Thank you, and we'll see you on the next episode.